he, uh, he, he caught her cheating. Again. He stormed out in a rage. And at first, honestly, she felt a little bit relieved, um, almost free. But as the days uh, turned into weeks and the bills began piling up and there was no one to help with the kids, what at first had seemed like a blessing began to to be oppressive. And she thought about their marriage, and she thought, it's just, it's just not like it was at the beginning. When he first showed on the scene, she was in a terrible relationship, uh, abusive, in fact. And he was the, the knight in shining armor who came and, and, and pulled her out. He was her everything. But as the years progressed as the the first anniversary became the fifth, became the tenth, and the fifteenth, things just got boring. He couldn't light her up like he used to. On the other hand, dependable guy, a great provider, wonderful father to the kids, always there when, when she needed him. But there's just something about her lovers that really gets her going. And she thinks, maybe I've made a mistake. The bills are piling up. The kids are screaming. And she thinks, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I I need to to try and win him back. And so she, she gets on the phone. He doesn't answer. So it, it's, it's the first message, I'm sorry, please come back. Then the second message, then the third, and by the fourth and the fifth, the rants going on for ten minutes, hysterical crying, please, I see now what I've done, please come home. Finally, she receives a text message, we need to talk. I'll see you for dinner tonight. This is it. This is her chance. The first thing she does, she cleans the house top to bottom. Everything's vacuumed. I know a lot about how difficult this actually is. As Mr. Mom uh, in, in the house, vacuuming, dusting, it's, it's work. There's a sparkle everywhere. She arranges a sitter for the kids. Her mom has retired Her mom will take care of the kids for this evening. She puts on the dress that he gave her back when they were still in love. And the earrings he gave her on the 10th anniversary. She goes to the store and picks out the filet mignon, his favorite, and begins cooking. Finally, the time comes. A knock at the door. She opens it up, and there's the awkward moment where she... Are we going to... Will there be a hug? But he stands there, and and honestly, he he can't even look at her. His eyes are down. But she won't be deterred. So she she takes him by the hand, and she pulls him in. She says, look, look, darling, look what I've done. 
for you. I, I want you to know how sorry I am. So I, I cleaned, uh, I cooked your favorite. There's, there's candles on the dining room table. The kids are being taken care of. This night is ours. And finally he looks up. And he looks her in the eyes. And he says, Israel, I don't want all this. I want you to love me. If you have a, uh, a note sheet, um, we're going to read a text from Hosea. Um, if, if you have it in front of you and you'd like to stand as I read it, um, that would be very nice. Uh, this is Yahweh speaking through the prophet. He says, Oh, I'll return again to my place. Until they acknowledge their offense. And then I know what they'll do. Then they'll seek my face and, and in their affliction they'll earnestly seek me. And this is what they'll say. They'll say, hey, come, let us return to Yahweh. For, for he is torn, but, but he'll heal us. And he is stricken, but, but he'll bind us up. After two days he'll revive us. Or, or surely on the third day he'll, he'll raise us up. That we may live again in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He'll come to us like the rain does. Like the latter and former rains of the earth. And after thinking about this, what Israel is going to say to him, Yahweh responds and says, Oh, Ephraim, oh, Israel, what am I going to do with you? Oh, Judah, oh, southern kingdom, what am I going to do to you? Your faithfulness is like a morning cloud. And like the early dew, it evaporates. Therefore, I have hewn them by my prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And your judgments are like light that goes forth. And Yahweh says this last thing to his people. He says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Lord, I pray that you will speak today, that you will engage in us a fire for your your love, a desire, a need to be devoted wholly to you in all that we do. Amen. You may be seated. There's a little problem with the, uh, the translation that we have here. Um, if, if you look at the, the very last verse, Hosea 6, 6, the, the sixth verse of Hosea chapter 6, you'll see that uh, in your translation it says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You'll notice that the title of today's sermon is Loyal Love, Not Sacrifice. Uh, that's because the, the Hebrew word um, in the Masoretic text that we have is not, um, it's not always translated mercy. The, the word is, is hesed, and it has a long uh, and storied tradition in, uh, in the Old Testament. 
To, to break it basically down, the, the word that, that you're getting there, hesed, it can tr- be translated in more or less three ways. Uh, the first way is as something like loyal or covenantal love. So uh, God will say, you'll, you'll say, hear something in the Psalms like, your mercy endures forever. Your love is, is everlasting. It's steadfast. That's always, almost always you're, you're reading hesed. And it means God, God has, has struck up a, a covenant, and, and in the case of Hosea, a marriage with Israel. And the way that his covenant plays out is he is relentlessly committed to them. He is the spouse who, even though sometimes he storms off in a huff, always comes back. That's loyal, covenantal love. Another way that the word gets translated is um, as mercy. And, and we mean mercy as in mercy or compassion. Uh, acts of mercy, acts of charity. Mother Teresa could be uh, an example of someone who demonstrates this sort of hesed. Compassion, mercy. And, and the final way that you'll get, and I think in the NKJV you'll see it in Jeremiah 2 too, is as devotion or loyalty. Um, usually, uh, this is the way, whenever, whenever you, you get the word hesed as something that humans display towards God, we're usually going to translate that as loyalty, devotion. So, as, as it happens, uh, scholars will, will they'll tend to say that Hosea 6.6, 6, if you're going to do the best translation, it really should read, For I desire devotion. I desire loyalty. And not sacrifice. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The problem with this reading is that it ignores the context of Hosea as a whole. Uh, it, for those of you who've read Hosea, and it's not necessarily the most popular Old Testament book, it has a pretty unseemly story. Uh, God comes down to Hosea, the prophet, and he says, I want you to marry a prostitute. Um, I want you to suffer through. You're, you're going to have children with her. She's going to leave you, and she's going to go to other men, and then come back again and again and again. I mean, it's really, it's a it's kind of rated R. Um, I'm sure you'll be seeing it uh, at the cinema in just, just a few weeks. We'll have this one coming out. Um, as a result... If, if we're thinking about the major controlling metaphor, the, the controlling image of the entire book of Hosea is of a marriage that is really, really broken. But because we're dealing with a marriage, it's not just about devotion. It's not just about loyalty. It's about something more. In that opening uh, little story, when he says, I don't want all this. I want you to love me. That word love, we understand, means more than just, I want you to have affection for me. It means more than, I want you to be passionate for me. It means more than, than I want you to look at me in a certain way. It, it means, I want you to be true. I want you to be fully, passionately committed to me for all time, till death do us part, in sickness and in health, richer or poor. I want you to be there for me. I don't want this filet mignon. I want you to love me. And because Hosea is talking about marriage, we have to, when we read this text, we have to replace uh, mercy in our English translation with loyal, covenant, passionate, unending, unyielding love. And then that brings up a question. Okay, I desire loyal love and not sacrifice. Well, why not sacrifice? Um, I have deliberately, well, just, you know, confession. Uh, 
Yesterday, I had dinner with uh, Brent and Orchid, and they ordered Persian food. This was only the second time in my life I've had Persian food. One of the things that they had, which I was, I was surprised about, was uh, like a fillet. There's like a, it's, a, it's a fillet kebab, yes? And it has all these wonderful spices. I mean, what, is it garlic? I don't know. Brent, what? Kevin. Okay, that. Uh, well, filet, uh, one of the, the best parts about filet, you'll notice, is that it's is, is just the smell as it's, as it's cooking. Or even as you're, you're taking that bite and it's, it's, it's coming, and then the... And you, you're, it's almost, there's two senses that are going on as you're biting into it. Medium rare, of course. Uh, you're getting it here and you're getting it here. As it happens, uh, God understands this. Um, he, he does, and if you look in, I, I, I've printed out there for you on your uh, note sheets, um, uh, Genesis 8.21 and Exodus 29.17-18. In both of those texts, you'll see that, um, that God understands how great a barbecue is, right? It says, no, I'm serious. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, because they're burning up the cow or, or what have you, he said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground. It, the, the, the sacrifice is like a gift, to the Lord, and he smells it, and he's like, he's like, you know what? They really do love me. Really, that, that's kind of in the, in the context of the story. That's sort of the way that, that the Lord's responding. And so he says, well, because I see that, because I get this gift, they, they've got the fillet out, they brought in the, the Persian fillet, and I'm smelling it and I'm liking it. Well, I can see that that shows something that's going on in their heart, and so I'm going to relent. Uh, the same thing happens in uh, in the Exodus uh, passage where. It, they talk, the, the priest talk, or they're talking about how the priests are going to cut up the ram, and then they're going to turn the whole ram into smoke on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing odor, an offering by fire to the Lord. Uh, they're having their, their, the sacrifice barbecue, and, and, and the smoke comes up, and the Lord, and the Lord smells the ram and is pleased uh, in very much the same way that, that we do at a barbecue. Why is that important? Well, it's cool. Uh, that's an awesome little thing. But more importantly, it kind of gets uh, for us sort of the logic of what um, Israelite sacrifice is. It's just like when the wife, who feels bad about what she's done, cooks a fillet, cleans the house, prettys herself up. These are gifts. They're, 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 they're outward signs that are meant to show the husband... I've changed. It's, there, there are ways that, that, that she can, can um, express to him a desire for atonement. To be, to be at one again. To be brought back together. She can't bear open her heart and show him what's on the inside. So instead, filet mignon. This and that. Pretty it. Do the vacuum. Incidentally, this is exactly what I do on a day-to-day basis when I'm trying to clean the house, right? Because I, I can guarantee you, before I was married, I lived like an animal. I, in, uh, in seminary, uh, one time, I, I had not cleaned my room in something like six months. And uh, there was literally just a bare mattress. No, nothing. Just bare mattress. And then just clothes. Just strewn about. My friend Mike comes in, and he just looks at it, and he's like, like, you're never going to stop being single. Like, you, you do not know the extent to which you're shooting yourself in the foot. All right. So, 
well, like my point is, is that I'm not vacuuming and, and I'm not doing that for me. I'm doing that for Erin so that she sees something about what my heart is for her, right? And this is the same thing with sacrifice. Sacrifice is a way that the Israelites could do this for God. They would, um, they would have the barbecue, and it was almost like a family barbecue with, with the Lord. And the priests would, would, would eat the meat, and, and the Lord would smell it and see that this people loved him. So in Hosea 6.6, 6, it's strange. I desire loyal love and not sacrifice. The problem is, is that sacrifice is supposed to be a sign of loyal love. But Yahweh's gotten to the point where he knows what it's going to be. Oh, I'm sorry. We're sorry, Lord. We didn't mean to go off and worship Baal or whoever. We're sorry. We're sorry. Here, look. Get the ram, cut it up, light it on fire. See? You like that, don't you? Come back to us. And the cycle repeats over and over and over and over till finally the Lord can tell them what they're going to say. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Let's return to the Lord. He's torn. He'll heal. He'll revive us. We'll live in His sight this time. And what the Lord says is, I'm tired. I am sick and tired of your little gifts. I'm sick and tired of you cleaning the house and making the filet mignon. I am sick and tired of that. What I want is for you to love me. On your note sheets there, on the top of the right column, it says, Israel's sacrifices address sin both legally, that is, there's a transgression, so it has to be rectified, but also relationally. The sacrifice isn't just a legal um, transaction between the people and God. It's a sign to God that we love you. Now, for those of you who have uh, grown up in church, you've probably heard, I, I desire mercy and not sacrifice as you were growing up. Um, you may be familiar with this phrase, and that's probably because Jesus says it twice. Twice in Matthew's Gospel. And originally the reason I came to this text was because um, I was interested in, in, in why, why, why does Matthew do this? When Matthew's telling two different stories, he does, he, he, the stories are told also in Mark and Luke, but Matthew is the only one who adds this little reference to Hosea 6.6. 6, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire loyal love and not sacrifice. If you look in your um, New Testaments, uh, almost all of them will translate it uh, the way that we... Remember it. I, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I'm going to uh, argue for you that that's um, uh, maybe not the best. That's, uh, that actually what's going on is something... We, we, we should bring over our retranslation of the Hosea, I desire loyal love, and we should insert that into Matthew as well, um, replacing desire. Um, this is because when you read a quote in the New Testament from the Old Testament, nine times out of ten the author is using uh, what's called the, the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Because at the time of the New Testament, Greek was the, uh, the, the lingua franca. It's the, the language that everyone spoke. And so in order to get the message out, uh, they had to take things out of Hebrew or Aramaic and put it into the common tongue, Greek. 
And since the Old Testament scriptures had already been written in Greek, most of the New Testament authors will uh, use those, that already existing translation in some form or another when they quote. As a result, you'll see on your uh, note sheet, I've pointed out that in both Matthew 9.13 and 12.7, uh, Jesus quotes the Septuagint word for word. Um, it's uh, Elias, Thelo, Caiu, blah, 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 blah. Basically, Elias is the, uh, is the word. And another thing we notice that's really interesting about Elias is that every time in the New Testament uh, the word hesed, loyal love, gets brought in, it's always brought in as eleos. Uh, they never use any other word. So, given all of that, um, I think it's pretty reasonable to su- suggest that what's happened um, in between the time of the Old Testament and the New is that uh, the Jews have begun using this Greek word in their um, worship services, eleos. They've been, using, they've been using it as a technical term to stand in Greek for loyal love or hesed. And given that, it's very reasonable to assume that when, um, oh, I have it there, Elias has been adep- adopted by Second Temple Jews as having a, you got your pens ready? Technological, no, technical theological meaning. You don't have to write that whole thing. That's, that's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a theological term for them. Um, it's a, it's a theo- it has a theological meaning. It means hesed. It means loyal love. It's, uh, it's, it's their way. It's just like when we, um, you know, in our church, we'll say things like atonement or justification. Or, you know, we have these terms where people come in from the outside. They're like, what? Because it's not how normal people talk. <laughs> uh, but that's because we, we have a long tradition and we've imbued certain words with a lot of theological meaning. The same thing happens uh, in the New Testament, in the first century, and what they had done is they had taken this Hebrew word and given a Greek, a special Greek word that had other meanings, but also had this one special Jewish covenant meaning. Loyal, committed, enduring love. So given that, let's look at these two texts in Matthew. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Get rid of mercy, and I'm going to input um, loyal love when I'm reading them. So uh, this is Matthew 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew, Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire loyal love, not sacrifice. For I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And then uh, Matthew 12, 1-7. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck the heads of grain and eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence which was not, not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath, and yet they have no guilt? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, meaning me, Jesus. But if you had known what this means, I desire loyal, committed, enduring, unending, faithful love, 
and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Now, there's a lot that could be said about both of these passages. Uh, we could go on for days, but I'm assuming you probably don't want to do that. So, so I'm just going to highlight one thing. I want you to notice that in both of these passages, in both of these little stories, the reason that the disciples are where they are, doing what they're doing, is because they have shown radical, loyal commitment to Jesus Christ. In the first case, uh, Matthew or Levi is sitting at the toll booth. The toll booth is where the, the person would, uh, as, as you were coming to market to sell your fish, they would just take a little something for the Roman government. And the Romans had like a certain amount of money that they had to get every month or year or whatever. And then the toll collector would be like, well, okay, I've hit my quota, but keep coming. So they were not very popular people. But what, what, is, what does Matthew do? He's sitting there. He's, he's just filling his, his, his pockets with just buckets of money, uh, just, just like I do on a regular basis when I'm you know, doing my high-paid uh, tutoring. He's sitting there. He's, he's, he's just gobs and gobs of money. Jesus comes and he says, follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew lost his job. Matthew gave up his livelihood. Yeah, Matthew's got a house where he's going to throw a party. This is probably a going-away party because he's not going to be able to afford the house anymore or the family or anything because he just decided to follow Jesus. The difference between Matthew and the Pharisees is that Matthew demonstrates exactly what God has been asking all these years. Loyal, committed love. A radical kind of loyalty that does not give up, that is willing to give up anything to follow God. Jesus is going through the, the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples are hungry. Why are they hungry? Because they're homeless. Because they're dependent on whoever will give them something to eat. And apparently this Sabbath they haven't found that. Why are they homeless? And why do they have nothing to eat? Because they've given up everything to follow God. Because they have demonstrated hesed. Eleos. Loyal, committed, enduring, never give up, never falter, hold fast to the end. Even when the pain's at a ten, love. I'm proud to say that we uh, gather in a place where people have shown this kind of love. Uh, every once in a while, Robin uh, comes down from Camp Allendale to, to preach here. And what's funny about it is he rarely, he rarely talks about uh, the past. When, uh, when he and Karen were, were rolling deep, that's what the kids are saying these days, rolling deep. Uh, I know, I've heard them. They, they, they had it all, you know, working in Newport, the cars, the boats, everything. But they heard the call of God, no, what about these little ones who are being abused? And like Matthew, they got up and they followed him. And it cost. They were showing God real sacrifice, real loyal love. And how many lives have been changed by that ministry? How many kids? 
not a day goes by when I talk to, uh, uh, to Mike and Carrie. Do they, you know, look to the day when they can just drop the realty business and move to Haiti and just be there with uh, the orphanage, with the boys' home, to minister to those people, to, give, to, to offer the hope that they often don't have. I've been to Haiti. I don't want to move there. It's kind of rough. But Mike and Carrie, they hear something. And they're willing to display Hesed. Loyal, committed love. Not all of us are called to Haiti or to Camp Allendale. Um... Sometimes what commitment looks like to God is commitment to the community of God, to the people of God. Showing faithful, time and again, always showing up and being there. Corey, I know, has been blessed uh, over the last month by how much people have been there for him. His friends and his family, his brothers and sisters in Christ, have shown up again and again and again. If you've been a part of that, you've been demonstrating the hesed that called Matthew the tax collector, that fed the disciples, that God begged his bride to have. There are so many opportunities for every one of us to show God we mean it. To show him that we're really there, that we really do believe, we really will follow, we really will give things up. We won't just wait until times are bad. Oh, come back, come back. We're sorry, we're sorry. We know that you'll come back. We know that you'll forgive. And just to reassure you, he always does. That's what's so awesome about the Old Testament. We read a pretty gnarly portion there where God's kind of mad at Israel. But you know what the thing is? He does bring the people back from exile. He does send Jesus. He will come back. But what he's looking for is people who don't wait until the last second. Oh, everything's bad. I'm going to change. I promise. He doesn't want that anymore. He wants people who love him deeply, committedly. He wants to look us in the eye and say, I want you to love me. I don't know what that means for every person here. I honestly don't know what that means for me. Um... And that's something I struggle with. How can I show you, God, that I'm serious? That I'm in it for the long haul? I think maybe today, uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit sets on your heart something that you can do to show, to demonstrate, to express your never give up, stick to it, I won't quit love to the King of the universe. The one who's the Lord of the Sabbath. The one who says, I'm not worried about your filet mignons and your dressing up. I just want you to be with me. How can we demonstrate that? Maybe that's uh, being a part of VBS. Maybe that's being a part of the Haiti ministry. Maybe it's a part of being in the Camp Allendale ministry. Maybe it's just teaching kids on Sunday mornings during junior church. Maybe it's volunteering with the youth group. Maybe it's using uh, gifts that no one knows you have. But you stepping up and saying, you know what? This needs to be a part of our congregation. We need to build each other up. That's the way I'm going to show 
that I have heard the call, I have looked him in the eyes, and I have said, I do love you. We're a family here. And we're all in it together. And I think we know deep down in our bones already before Tom gets up and says anything that the Lord desires loyal love from us. And he can do without the sacrifice. Be kindled. Do not give up. Do not give in. Do not cease doing good works. The Lord has wonderful things for us. And he will be with us every step of the way. Let's pray. Lord, we come boldly before you as a people. And we confess loyal love to you. Lord, Coast Bible Church is a place that has loyal love for you. And we confess that to you. We claim that before your face right now. Lord, send your spirit to each one of us to encourage us in doing good, to show us the ways that we can demonstrate our steadfast, enduring commitment to you. Lord, may this commitment become the sort of thing that explodes the church in gifts of love and charity, of generosity and hospitality, of welcome, of peace and compassion. of friendship and deep love. May you open our hearts to the kind of commitment that leaves behind the toll booth, that violates the Sabbath, that looks radical and strange to the world outside. Lord, we thank you that you loved us first, that you showed us commitment, that you showed us loyal love even to the point of death on a cross. Lord, we praise you for always coming back, for always showing up at the door, no matter how much we've hurt you. We thank you and praise you for that gift, for your loyal love to us. And we ask you, God, to teach us in the name of Jesus Christ how to return the favor. We love you first. And in the name of your Son, we pray these things. Amen.